You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay, or just go to their website at TicketKing.com. Again, that's TheTicketKing.com. Let's talk in pack. Okay, I've seen enough. It's time to admit I was dead wrong. Christian Watson, you, sir, are a star. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's and a child shall lead them. 28 to 19 win over the Chicago Bears on Sunday at Soldier Field. Yeah, always fun to beat the Bears in Chicago, am I right? Not sure how many more chances we're going to get to do that. With the Bears planning to move out to what is it, Arlington Heights, right? At some point in the not too distant future, they're going to build a new stadium out there. They just bought the racetrack out that way. Uh, you know, and I've mentioned this before on the show, I'm pretty sure I know I've mentioned it on Twitter. I guess, you know, I don't really know all, I guess they want to make more money and they want more parking and all that stuff. I don't really know, but I'm not a big fan of it, right? I'm sure, I'm sure the Bears don't care. I'm sure Bears fans don't give a shit what I think either, but I'm not, like, that just doesn't, playing out in the suburbs, that's not going to be Packers-Bears, man. Packers Bears when it's in Chicago needs to be at Soldier Field right on the lake. Right? Preferably in like late like this time of year, right? Late November, early December, even later into December when it's cold and windy, maybe there's some rain or some snow. You got the skyline in the background, you know, the downtown skyline. Like that's Packers Bears in Chicago. Suburbs, you know, playing next to like a strip mall or whatever. That's not ah I'm not excited about that. I'm not. So, yeah, I guess we have to uh, enjoy these wins over the Bears in Chicago proper while we can, right? It's it's nice to see. Sunday was nice to see. Also nice to see, of course, the Packers now have the most wins of any team in league history. That's right. Sunday's victory was their 787th as a franchise, breaking the tie they had been in with, with, Who else but those same Chicago Bears? Just another checkmark for Green Bay in terms of its overall ownage of the Bears. But you know, if I may for a second, you know, really, to me, once you beat your arch rival in an NFC championship game in their own building to go to the Super Bowl and then you win that Super Bowl... I mean, is there really, is there anything they can do to catch you after that? I say no. Maybe that's why I don't take the Bears that seriously compared to teams like San Francisco, Dallas, you know, and Minnesota. It's like, we did that. You know, we vanquished them. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what, what could the Bears do at this point to catch us? What? I mean, even if they catch us in wins, 
in the rivalry, or, or you know what I mean? That NFC champion, we just always point to that. Remember that? BJ Raji? Right? Call me the freezer. Remember that? That was a good time. <laughs> you know, that stuff. And then Rodgers is now 25-5 and against them. My God. Matt LaFleur is 8-0. He still hasn't lost to the Bears. I just, I just don't consider them in our league. I'm sure I'm not alone in that. They're just, I view them as like a secondary rival at this point. You know, maybe that's because I, you know, I really only know Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And that complete dominance of the Bears. I don't remember the 70s or 80s, right? Ditka and all that shit. Maybe that's just people my age and younger. I don't know. But I just don't, you know. Anywho, with the win, the Packers improved to 5-8 and eight on the season. Keeping their, I guess you'd say, slim playoff hopes alive. They're still in the, uh, in the hunt section. On the playoff graphic, you'll see during games or on SportsCenter, for whatever that's worth. They're still in third in the NFC North, of course. Uh, the Packers, well, they're about three states away from the first-place Minnesota Vikings, who informed three states, four states, somewhere in there, who informed America that the lucky horseshoe is indeed still firmly implanted in their ass by eking out a 27-22 home win over the New York Jets. Top there, marked a 10-2 on the season. They did not... Clinch the NFC North, however, as the Detroit Lions, who remain in second at 5-7 and seven now, blew out the Jacksonville Jaguars 40-14 to 14 in Detroit. So no division title for the Vikings this week. And the Bears, as a result of the loss to Green Bay, to 2-3-10 on the season. Not sure if they'll end up with the number one pick in the draft. It uh, sure seems like the Houston Texans are dead set on not letting that go. But uh, they've got a good chance at the number two pick anyway, so I guess if that's a victory for them, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I guess you take the wins where you can get them if you're a Bears fan. Uh, before we go any further, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, Lemps, M-K-E, at It's Just Chris Now. I was thrown in Twitter jail for the first time on Friday night. I was watching the Bucks game. Set the scene quick. I was watching the Bucks lakers game. And I sent a tweet to a couple of people, a reply, about my, uh, let's just say, dis dislike for ESPN. I didn't think it was very, I'm not even going to say what it was. It wasn't that inappropriate. You know? Right? I, it wasn't that bad. Okay, so I said everybody at ESPN should fuck off and die. I said everybody at that network. That's a joke. I don't actually mean that, of course. I'm not insane. It was a joke tweet that I sent to a couple of people that I know on Twitter. And I literally, like, had just sent the tweet. And this thing comes up. It's like, you're in violation. Twitter jail. I was like, 12 hours? And 12 hours? I had that account for 13 years. I've never committed any offenses. 12 hours for that? Like, just let me delete the tweet. We'll forget about it and move on. It was just a joke. No, 12 hours. So, yeah, uh, good times. Good times on Twitter. Just another sign that, again, if I wasn't doing this show, I would never have a Twitter account. Never. Not in a million years. <laughs> but you can follow me there if you'd like. Uh, we're on Facebook. Old Bag of Donuts. OL Bag of Donuts. Getting more people liking the Facebook page. Appreciate that. I'm going to start putting up stuff. I swear to you guys, I really am. The bye week is coming up. It's a good time for me to do that, so I am going to start doing that. 
You can uh, email us, oldbagofdonuts at gmail.com, oldbagofdonuts at gmail.com. Again, you don't have to wait till Sunday after the game to write in. You can write in during the week. Let me know what you think of the team, the show. I'd love to hear it. For anyone listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating. Five stars. Me likey those the most. Four stars are good, too. Maybe a positive comment would be nice. I'd like that. I haven't got one of those for a minute. That would be nice. Uh, you can find us on Spotify by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. I'm sure Vince was happy to see Green Bay get a win over the Bears. Uh, and you can leave a rating there. Remember, if, you follow, if you're subscribing on Spotify, which you should be, right at the top there's that little box with the star. You can click on it, one through five. Me like you five stars the most. That's just me. Uh, we're on the iHeartRadio app. You can find us there as well. And if you listen on a platform I don't mention, as always, let me know. I'd love to hear it. For example, this past week, I got a really, really nice Facebook message from Mark in Bend, Oregon, who said he listens to the show on Pandora, which is awesome. It was great to hear from you, Mark. It's great to hear from you, Mark. There we go. <laughs> Thanks for your kind words about the show as well. I really appreciate it. And if you're not subscribing, why not? Just subscribe. Mindlessly mash down on that subscribe button, and we deliver this shit right to your phone. No searching. No roaming the internet for it. It's right there. That's what you should do. That's what I would say. And a special shout-out to our wonderful sponsor, Ticket King. For all your Packers ticket needs, head to their website, theticketking.com. Those fine folks will take care of you. Okay, now that we done got all that out the way... Let's go, let's dive right in, let's talk about this Packers dub. A quick, speedy dub, much like Christian Watson. That's why you say it that way, kind of get like a vroom type of dub. You say it fast. And as for where I'm going to begin tonight, oh yeah, let's talk about the youngster from North Dakota State, the rookie, Mr. Watson. As alluded to in the opening of the show, yep, sure looks like I was dead wrong about him. Dead wrong about that draft pick. And now I am finally ready to admit that all the way and say he is the next great Green Bay Packers offensive weapon. The next great Packers playmaker. He has arrived, and his name is Christian Watson. Let's talk about his stats Sunday. Three catches, 48 yards and a touchdown, and of course, the one rushing attempt for 46 yards. That ended in a 46-yard touchdown. Of course, the stats, I mean, as I always say every week, right, the stats only tell you so much. But those, I mean, that's, I mean, that right there is some pretty eye-popping shit. I mean, we're talking four touches for, what is that? Four touches for 94 yards and two scores. So almost 25 yards a touch. (laughs) Four, (laughs) 90, right? 94, yeah, 94 yards on four touches. It's almost 25 yards every time he touches the ball. I mean, that's some Randy Moss type shit right there, you know? There's no other way I can say it. Speaking of Randy Moss, here's a tweet for you. This is from the wonderfully named ESPN reporter. Hang on. Field Yates. I love that name, Field Yates. How is he not a professor at Harvard? Or like Yale with a name like Field Yates. Right? I can't be the only one who thinks that. Anyways, he tweeted this after the game. A list of every rookie wide receiver in the Super Bowl era with at least seven touchdowns in a four-game span. 
Randy Moss in 1997, Odell Beckham Jr. in 2014, and now young Mr. Watson in 2022. I mean, that right there is incredible. There's more, though, right? Eight touchdowns from scrimmage over a four-game span. This is from the Green Bay Packers official account. There's only two players who have ever done that as far as rookie wide receivers. Randy Moss and now Christian Watson. So the Moss stuff kind of, you know what I'm saying, it kind of lines up a little bit. It's incredible. He's been incredible these last four games. Enough, again, for me to say that he has arrived. Yes, I could say that now. Um, the two touchdowns scored by Watson on Sunday were impressive in their own ways as well. Let's start with the first one. His receiving touchdown comes on a fourth and four at the Chicago 14. 23 seconds left in the first half. Packers are going for it. I didn't, now I'll say I didn't feel great about that decision to go for it. I'm like, it's 16 to three. Let's just, can we get the ball to start the second half? Let's kick the field goal, make it 16-6, 10 points. It's a winnable game. But they went for it, and it turned out to be the right decision. Aaron Rodgers moves around in the pocket, does nice work buying some time, slings a dart to Watson in the end zone, who makes a nice catch for the score. PAT good, 16-10 pack, 17 seconds to go in the half. Now, that was, I really thought that was a nice little adjustment by Watson, right, as the ball was about to arrive, too. Very subtle, very subtle, but I noticed that. I don't know if you noticed it, but I did. A little sign of development there. I like that. Nice nice to kind of turn to turn in to get the ball. That was good stuff. And then his second score, I mean, <laughs> the rushing score, my God. Second and seven at the Chicago 46. Green Bay coming out of the two-minute warning, trying to put the game away up 20 to 19. Watson in motion, end around to him. He goes around the left end, and he is gonzo. Gonzo. Game over. His speed... His ridiculous speed, which we've, of course, we've seen it throughout the last month, but it was fully all the way on display there. I mean, I swear, I don't know about you, but I knew by the time he hit the 30-yard line, he was gone. Literally by the time he hit the 30-yard line, I just yelled out, I go, gone, house call. (laughs) I mean, yes, the defender was technically even with him, but even though he was, he still wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was even Watson, but was he really? No, he wasn't. That's the type of speed he brings to the table. The Packers just, I mean, they've never had a guy like this, really, you know? How, I mean, speaking of his speed, here's another tweet for you. This is from, um, hold on. It's from Next Gen Stats. Christian Watson reached a top speed of 21.72 miles per hour on his 46-yard touchdown run, tying Deshaun Jackson for the fastest speed by a wide receiver this season. Watson has reached 20-plus miles per hour on 6 of 30 offensive touches this season, 20%, the highest rate in the NFL, minimum 10 touches. They just haven't had a guy like this, you know? I mean, I I don't know if if Green Bay has had this type of game-breaking speed. I should say they have, just not in recent memory, because you've got to go back to Amon Green. Yeah, I'm going all the way back to Amon Green on this, I think. There there have been some burners since then, some dudes with that game-breaking speed. Uh, Since Amon's time, you you think about Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, even MVS to a lesser extent. I mean, MVS is super fast, of course, but he's not as good a player as those other names I've just mentioned. 
But I think Amon was just a sliver above those other guys in terms of breakaway speed. And Watson, he is on Amon's level fully and officially in terms of bringing that element to the table. We haven't had a guy like this, I shouldn't say ever, but we haven't had a guy like this in a long time. Because Amon was that way too, remember? Amon, it would look like the, a safety was even with him, but was he really? No, he wasn't. Watson brings that to the table. It's very, very exciting. And it's not just the big plays either, right? The big touchdowns. He did really nice work getting open for a 15-yard grab near the sideline on third and seven. Picked up a first down on, uh, it was the last play of the third quarter Sunday. Kind of a crucial moment for the Packers too, right? Packers needed that third down as they were trying to climb out of the 1910 hole they were in at the moment. At that moment. So yeah, it's not just the touchdown plays. It's all you can see is game coming together. Last week, he had the nice grab against Philly, got popped, still hung on to the ball. That was very impressive to see. It's all kind of coming together for him. At warp speed, really, you know. He's figuring out how to harness his raw gifts. The ridiculous amount of raw talent he has. Way faster than I thought he would coming out of NDSU. Again, he's, he's, he's harnessing this at warp speed, really. Because I considered him pretty raw. I think a lot of people did. You know, I said, as, I said as much going into the draft, and then when he was picked by Green Bay, when they traded up to take him at the top of the second round, I almost thought he'd need at least the whole year for kind of a redshirt season, if you will, right? Raw route runner, or so I thought, so I said at the time, but that hasn't really been a problem. His routes look pretty crisp for the most part. The hands, the thing that freaked me out the most about him, you think about all the times I've yelled, he had a 12.7% drop rate in college on the show like an idiot. Uh, the hands haven't been an issue at all lately, really, other than the one dropper. Was it a couple he had early in the Dallas game? Other than that, no problem. Now, I will say, in the middle of this love fest, the hands will likely, that's going to creep in at times still, I think. I don't know if he'll ever fully get away from that. But as long as he minimizes it like he's done this last month, it shouldn't be too much of an issue. You know what I'm saying? Um, and Matt LaFleur and Rodgers are really figuring out how to use him, you know, and how to get him the ball consistently and in spots where he can really shine. You know, that end around was set up beautifully by Matt LaFleur, right? Because he had Watson going in motion throughout the day, sort of lulling the Bears to sleep with it, and then, bam! nailing him with it at the best possible moment. That was the perfect time to run that play. He waited all day to set it up. Bam, nailed it. And I think we're in for a lot more of those types of moments too with this kid, especially when you think about when Romeo, Do when, uh, Romeo Dobbs is healthy. You know, what we saw from him earlier in the season before he got hurt. Man, what a one-two punch that could become for the Packers. It's pretty exciting, you know? So hell yeah, man. Get excited, Packer Nation. You have your next offensive superstar on the roster. He has arrived. And Christian, my man, again, I apologize. Okay, so that's my kind of opening portion of the show. My opening argument, if you will. Let's head to the Twitter bag, the email bag, the Facebook bag, all the bags. There's a lot to get to. So let's start now. Let's begin with Twitter. Okay, these are in no particular order. Our first one comes from my former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host, one of my bestest friends in the world, Adam Summers. You can find him on Twitter, on Twitter, Brew Crewer at asummers underscore time. Adam writes, 
Despite all other downers this season, we swept Chicago, and and most importantly, that got jumbled in my mouth. Let's start over. Despite all other downers this season, we swept Chicago, and most importantly, the Bears still suck. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it's nice to know that even in our darkest moments, we still own them. Right? That is good. That's good to say. You can still say that. Because Bears fans have been talking a lot of shit. I don't know if you've noticed on Twitter about the Packers kind of throughout this season laughing at us. And it's like, yeah, but we're still better than you. So, F off. <laughs> um, yeah, Matt LaFleur, 8-0. When I saw that, I was like, really? And I was like, no, he must have lost to the Bears once. I went back and looked. No, he's 8-0 against Chicago. So, yeah, that's he's pitching a perfect game. So, yeah, absolutely, Adam. Our next one comes from Nick Sivertson. I hope I'm saying your last name right. Is it Sivertson or Sivertson? At Nicholas Sivert1 on Twitter, Nick writes, As someone who is from the Fargo-Moorhead area, I was always happy we drafted Watson. Now I'm happier than ever with that pick. Watson is truly something special. Thank you, Minnesota, for trading us that pick. Also, he's a two-parter. Also, I'm happy Rodgers got to beat Chicago again, but I think it's time to shut him down for the year. He hasn't looked the same this year, and with the multiple injuries, it would be best for everyone. Okay, good stuff, Nick. Thank you for writing in. Um, Have I mentioned on the show, by the way, that I spent a summer in Fargo? The summer of 2007, I was the sports intern at the Fargo Forum. I don't know if I've mentioned that on the show. But yeah, I spent a summer uh, in the lovely Fargo-Moorhead area. Covered all sorts of stuff. A lot. It was a lot of Legion baseball. A lot of Legion baseball. That was the big thing. And then, like, you know, like, um, special interest sports stories. Features and those types of things. I think I did even a karate story at one point. There was some sort of, like, statewide games. Like the North Dakota Olympics or whatever it was. I think, did I interview the governor? I don't remember who the governor was, and I think I interviewed him, though. And I did a story on all sorts of the, all all the special events that were going on that week. And I know I remember I did a karate story because I wanted to title it "Hi Ya," and my editor laughed, but he didn't think that was a good idea. Um, anyways, I digress. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was it was an interesting summer. Uh, I didn't know anybody, so I didn't really <laughs> do much. My off days, I would go to like Barnes and Noble and buy newspapers and magazines <laughs> and go to the grocery store. And the guy was living in the basement of one of the other writers. And he had all these video game systems, so I played a lot of, like, NHL 07 or whatever it was, 06. For, I think it was, play, was it PlayStation or Xbox? I saw Queens of the Stone Age at a place called Playmakers 2. That was, like, my one big highlight of the summer. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for rambling. But, um, yeah, I'm sure everybody in that area is, is super geeked about it. Although, they're, they're probably conflicted, right? Because that area is mostly Vikings fans. Because whenever I would, like, go to the grocery store or whatever, and I'd be rocking the Favre jersey, oh, speaking of how long ago that was, I'd always get, like, dirty looks, or people would, like, jokingly trash talk me, sometimes not jokingly. Sometimes it was pretty nasty. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are conflicted in that area, right? All the Vikings fans. Um, and Because you, you're right, Minnesota, they traded us that pick. We traded with them to move up and get him, which is always going to be you know, a hysterical footnote in Watson's career. So thank you, Minnesota. Thank you to the Minnesota Vikings for that. Shout out. Um, And yeah, you know what? You guys, for for all the people that have been riding with that pick since the beginning, you were right. 
You were right. I will say in fairness to myself, I did say on the show the night he was picked, I hated the pick, but I said I'd love nothing more than for him to prove me wrong. So it wasn't like I was rooting against him. I wanted it to, to work out and, and make me eat crow. So I'm totally fine with that. Um, As for your second tweet, yeah, it was nice to see Rodgers get the win again. It was kind of a weird moment with him sort of saluting the Bears crowd. It was a lot softer in tone than obviously his I all my life I fucking own you thing from last year. Was this the last time he'll play there? I mean, he said after the game, you never know. I don't know. He's kind of becoming like Favre with this stuff. As one of the beat guys pointed out, he said sort of he said something similar last year after they beat the Bears. So he's kind of becoming like Favre with this, like, well, you never know if this is going to be it. So who knows? But um, is it? Yeah, I mean, it's is it time to shut him down? Yeah, I think it is. You know, I mean, look at the first play of the game. If you were watching, if you noticed on the first play of the game, he threw that pass. Was it to Tunyon? It was incomplete. He was wincing immediately. Like, right off the bat. Right from the jump, he was wincing. He's in a lot of pain. There's no question about it. You can tell. Um, It would be best for everyone. Having said that, Nick, I don't think it's going to happen until they're mathematically eliminated. Which, you know, you look at how beat the shit the Rams are. The Packers coming off a bye being at home, they'll, they'll probably beat the Rams. And then they'll they'll probably go to Miami and lose on Christmas Day and be eliminated. So, yeah, it's best to shut Rodgers down now. But having said that, I don't think it's going to happen until after the Christmas Day game at the earliest. So, probably get two games. That's the way I think it's going to go anyways. We're going to get two games of Jordan Love to end the season. But we'll see. Uh, we move on now to Bill Amundsen at Omaha Badger. Bill always comes in hot. Well, it was looking like another turd. See? But the Bears saved that. Thankful for the win, but not the rise in draft number. Love what we are seeing in Watson. Ja redeemed himself, but still isn't himself after being... still. Ja redeemed himself, but still isn't himself after last year being injured. Hopefully a new D coordinator can make it right. Well, we know it looks like that coordinator isn't going to be Jim Leonard. If the reports from Saturday are correct, which I don't know. There's some conflicting reports on this. It sounded like at first he was staying in Wisconsin, but maybe now he, we're not sure. So I don't know if it's going to be Leonard at this point. Um, we'll start from the beginning here, though. Yeah, the Bears did save that. It was weird. They didn't really rush. They really went away from running fields in that second half, which really surprised me. You know, in that first half, he had five carries for 70 yards and a score, including the 55-yard touchdown run, which was completely embarrassing for the Packers. Um, And then he only ran the ball one time after that in the second half. Finished with six carries for 71 yards. So the Bears definitely... um, the Bears definitely helped. The Bears definitely gave the Packers a nice little assist in the win, at least in that department, not running fields, because Green Bay didn't have any answers for him, which is insane to me. After they got scorched by Jalen Hurts last week, you think they'd have some answers this week, and they didn't. But the, the Bears gave him a boost there, so thanks for that. <laughs> um, Yeah, you're right about it's thankful for the win, but not the, dra- the rise in draft number. Here's Okay, so here's my thing with that. Because I saw a lot of people on Twitter after, like, oh, God damn it, they screwed up the tank. 
here's the thing. I'll probably end up agreeing with those people after the season is over, or maybe even tomorrow or Tuesday. But my thing is always, like, if I'm watching the game and I'm taking time out of my life to watch and I throw the Jod jersey on and I've got the laptop and I'm going to do the pod, like, I'd like to see him win. And I know that's not probably best for the long-term direction of the organization. I myself said on Twitter earlier in the game, you know, when it wasn't looking good, I said, to quote Cosmo Kramer, from pain will come pleasure. But uh, I just can't bring it in. I just can't find it in myself to root for them to lose. You know what I mean? I just can't. Like, if I'm watching, I want to see a win, goddammit. So you're right. Like, it, it's, uh, it definitely hurts their draft positioning, maybe even significantly. But I never really think about that in the moment, you know what I mean? I'm guessing you don't either from the tone of your tweet. Uh, it's something you think about, you probably think about tomorrow and as the week goes on, and certainly when we get into the offseason, like, oh man, we're picking 16th, eh, if we hadn't beat the Bears, we'd be picking 11th or whatever it is. But I just, I never think about that stuff while I'm watching the game. Like, I just, it's just in my DNA to root for them to win. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure I'm not alone in that, but that's just me anyway. Uh, yeah, I love what we're seeing in Watson. The, the Christian Watson love fest continues. Yeah, Ja definitely, here's the thing with Ja. Um, he's had an up and down year, I agree. And he, he has not played consistently. You know what I mean? Last season, before he got hurt, he was clearly a top five corner in the game. No question about it. He has not played at that level consistently this year. He's had moments, right? But there have been moments, certainly. And and I really feel like Sunday was kind of like the perfect encapsulation of Jaw season. He gets burned deep by Equinemius. Um, who was the guy? Henry? Where was that? Oh, Harry. He got beat by Harry for the 49-yarder. That was early in the fourth, fourth quarter. So he had those moments, but then he had, a, you know, he had the one play. He blew up that third, was it a third down screen pass? Read it the whole way, blew it up, tackled, I believe it was Claypool, to force a punt. And then he had the, uh, the awesome pick to uh, really set the Packers up to finish the game off, right? 2019. Bears driving, they're in Green Bay territory, was under five minutes to go, it looked like the Bears are driving for a potential go-ahead field goal, Jaw just steps in front of Equinemius St. Brown, our old friend ESB, as we used to call him on the show, picked him off, that was a great play, that was a great play to pick that off. So yeah, I'm kind of rambling, but yeah, that was. I felt like Sunday was really the perfect encapsulation of his season. Some really high highs and some really low lows. Um, and I think some of that is maybe just his concentration is waning at times, it's indicative of the entire defense where I think that's happened. Guys have made plays at moments. But the concentration and the effort level has waned enough to where the defense has been overall bad and guys, a bunch of guys have taken steps back. You know what I mean? Um, so Sunday was indicative of Jaws performance and Jaws performance was indicative of the defense for the, the defense as a whole for the season, really. And I do, yeah, I agree with that. Hopefully a new defensive coordinator will get that right, not just for him, but for the defense as a whole. So, yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Bill. Thank you for that. Um, we keep we continue with Twitter now. We move to, hold on, Matilla the Hun. You can find him on Twitter at Matilla D. Hun. He writes, 
going to try for positivity in this one. Watson is that dude. Aaron Jones is just incredible. The defense still has plenty of young, good talent, but clearly have quit on Barry. This team has a good foundation, good building blocks. Watson, Dobbs, Toure is a hell of a trio. Get a tight end. Um, You bring your trademark positivity, Matillo, which I always appreciate. As I've mentioned before, yes, Watson. He sure looks like that dude, doesn't he? He looks like the next, I mean, he's the next great Packers weapon. But he brings this element, you know, that you can hand him the ball, you know, in the rushing, in, in the running game. He brings that element. I can't, I just, that's why I say we've never really had a guy like this. I said that earlier, then I was like, maybe not. Now I'm going, no, we haven't. We've had a ton of great receivers. We've been blessed in that department. But we've never had a receiver, or a receiver who brought this end-around game, this little pitch-pass game. Not that I can think of. So, yeah, we've never had a dude like this. It's really exciting. Um, Yeah, Aaron Jones, really, I, I got to give Jonesy a lot of credit. The statistics were not great today. Nine carries, 26 yards, three catches, excuse me, five catches, 24 yards. So, Jonesy, 14 touches for 50 yards. Tough sledding for him today. But you know what? He was, he gutted it out. He, I think his shin is really bothering him. And that, it looked like it flared up early in the game. And I think a lot of guys, it would have knocked him out. But he just fought to get back on that field. And, you know, he was giving everything he had. If the entire team had played with as much heart as Aaron Jones has shown, not just today, but throughout the season, they wouldn't be 5-8. and eight. No. He is, he has brought that element to the club. He's just, a, he's just a special player. He's a really fun guy to watch. Uh, A.J. Dillon, on the other hand, was outstanding in this game. I can't even believe um, how many min- minutes into this goddamn show. 33 minutes. I even talked about A.J. Dillon. 93 yards and a touchdown on 18 carries. And 26 yards on three receptions. So what is that? 21 touches for 119 yards, right? 21 for 119 and a score. Yeah. Great stuff from A.J. Dillon today. He just continues. He and Watson, their ascents this season kind of began at about the same time. Right around the Buffalo-Dallas games. Watson, you know, because Dillon is just running hard. Really, really hard. He's bringing that physicality. That physicality has returned to his game. That I think we were all kind of wondering where it was early in the season. It's really, as the weather's gotten colder, it's come back. Yeah, he's running great. He had an awesome day today. Can't say enough about the work from A.J. Dillon. Uh, and the offensive line, you know, and I want to give the offensive line a lot of credit, too. They were outstanding today. Rodgers was not sacked or hit. No sacks and no QB hits for the Bears. That's outstanding, especially considering Bakhtiari was out after his uh, appendectomy on Friday. <laughs> appendectomy. I mean, for fuck's sake. <laughs> if you needed to know anything more about the season... Bakhtiari, with all the knee stuff, finally gets healthy, and now he has to have his appendix taken out. But they were missing Bakhtiari, and the offensive line played really well. Zach Tom stepped in at left tackle and was outstanding. Some really nice work in both pass protection, pass pro, so you sound smart, and in the run game. So great work from the backs and the offensive line, yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think I agree with you about the defense. Yeah, I think there's a lot... There's there's major bounce back potential for this defense next season with a new coordinator 
and a new approach, and hopefully it's somebody that they believe in and somebody that they've bought into, because that's what's happened this year, you know? Going back to it, someone asked me in halftime, someone said, well, you know, I'm the, I'm the conductor of the fire Joe Barry, van, uh, Joe Barry train, but really is it all on him? Serious question. And I was like, no, it's not. It's a combination. Because the guy was like, well, it feels like some players have taken steps back. Yeah. The defense isn't all on, it's not all on Joe Barry. A lot of guys have taken steps back. And I think a big reason for that is they just sort of, their confidence in him has slowly but surely eroded throughout the season to the point now where it's not even there. You know, it almost feels like guys are making plays for themselves at this point <laughs> as opposed to for the group or for Joe Barry, you know what I mean? And I really think that started in week one, if I may go off on a tangent quick. I really think that started in week one. You know, Ja all week was hollering to get the matchup to cover Justin Jefferson and didn't get it. If I was a betting man, I would guess the Vikings sure expected Ja to be matched up on Jefferson. Yeah, I'd be willing to make that bet that they thought that was happening. And they didn't. The Packers didn't. And Jefferson scorched him in the first half. Packers end up getting blown, kind of blown out in that game. You know, and I think that's where I think that's where the seeds were sown. The seeds of discontent. I was like, does this guy know what he's doing? And then as the weeks went on, Barry never really adjusted the scheme. The soft zone stuff. Getting killed on crossers every week. You know, all that stuff. Lining DBs 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. He never really changed anything. And I think guys just don't have any confidence in him anymore. But if they get the right coordinator, a guy they do believe in, that can ignite them, yeah, I think there's major bounce-back potential for this group. Because I still think it's a talented group. They need help. They're going to need to kind of redo the safety spot, and they need more help on the defensive line. Playing Wyatt more would help things, I think. Uh, along the D-line, for example. So I think there's bounce-back potential there. I agree with you dude, uh, on that, Matt, Matilla. Um, yeah, I think there's overall good building blocks. I think for the team, you know, I was kind of going through it this week. I was kind of looking ahead to the offseason and, and thinking about, like, oh, where would, you know, looking at the roster and going, like, well, here's a spot they might have to improve. And I do think they're they're set at a few areas. I still think they need to add a little more to receiver, even with Watson and Dobbs. You'd like to get another guy there. Um, they're going to need more help at tight end, like you, you pointed out in your comment. Uh, they need more on the defensive line and more at safety. But I think in a lot of areas, you know, th th there are good bones there. Yeah, I agree with you. So, yeah, thank you for that, Matilla. Our final Twitter comment question comes from Justin Cornwell, at Justin A. Cornwell, longtime friend of the show, going back to the Podbean days. Always appreciate that, Justin. Thank you. Justin writes, I know the Bears' defense is one of the worst in the league, but I really enjoyed the aggressive and creative play calling on the three-play drive after the Jair pick to clinch the W. It's nice to see them go for the jugular so effectively, right down to a perfect two-point conversion. Yeah, and did I mention, by the way, you know, it's funny, I talked about Watson's um, excellence in this one, and it's funny, the one play of Watson's I didn't mention was his third and final, or, uh, yeah, was his, yeah, his third and final catch of the day. It kicked off that three-play drive that you're talking about after the after the Jair interception. It was a 20-yarder from Rodgers right down the middle of the field that got Green Bay into Chicago territory. And, of course, what, one, two plays later, Watson closed out the drive. 
didn't even mention that. How did I not mention his other nice play? I mentioned three of his four nice, his, three of his four touches. And I didn't mention the other one, which was a nice play too. Well, I did now. Um, you're right. It was very aggressive. It was great stuff on that drive. Talked about how I, I love, talked a little bit earlier about how I loved how Lafleur sort of slowly lulled the Bears to sleep with Watson in motion throughout the day. He's in motion, yeah, but they're not doing anything with it. They're not doing anything with it. Bam! At the best possible time, when the Bears were asleep, he hit them with it. Hit them with the end arounds. Great stuff. Because you could see the Bears totally weren't prepared for it. <laughs> and that was, again, I think a lot of Lafleur lulling them to sleep. That was good. It was, yeah, it was very aggressive. It was very creative. I agree with you. Now, yeah, and you're right. Now, the two-point conversion, I was not a huge fan of that, I will say. Because I'm going like, all right, it's 28-19. I'm like, right, was it 28? It's 20, excuse me, it's 26-19. Let's kick the extra point. Let's go up eight. Now the Bears will need a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game. I like them odds. But Lafleur was aggressive, and I have to give him credit for it. He was very aggressive on it. And that was, a, yeah, it was a really nice two-point conversion. Boy, Big Dog was just wide open on that one, wasn't he? Rodgers floated it to him. Game over. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it was nice to see the Packers really, like you said, you know, go for the jugular. Grab the game by the balls, if you will. So, yeah, I agree. Thank you for that, Justin. All right, those are all the Twitter questions, I believe. Let me double-check quick. Oh, you know what? I have a DM. This one's from Kyle. Hold on. Kyle Truax, at Kyle Truax, DM'd me. Question for you in the pod. What has better odds of happening? Joe, dumbass Barry getting canned, or the pack winning out? Cheers, KT. Short and sweet. Appreciate that. Um, better odds? Well, Barry's going to get fired. Yeah. I know people are like, oh, he's not going to get fired. Oh, he's going to be on the sidelines in week one. He's not. No. This season has been such a monumental failure defensively. This is, you know, they did nice work closing the game out with the jaw pick and then Nixon really putting it on ice with the pick right at the end. And quick aside on Kayshawn Nixon. Love what he's doing in the return game. Love what he's bringing to the table for the defense with the pick. He, he and Kenny combined for a nice run stop earlier in the game. Um, he's only on a one-year deal. That's a guy I think they need to resign. And they need to try to get that done, I think, before the end of the year. Yeah. A guy who can who can bring something to your, uh, to your special teams as a returner and contribute on defense, that's going to be a guy who's going to he's going to be in demand if he gets to the market. The Packers need to 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 get him locked up. Yeah, if I could just say that quick. Um. So uh, yeah, I know Ja and Nixon did nice work closing the game out. The run defense got better kind of as the game went on. But I mean, the first half was pathetic. I mean, that was really pathetic. The Bears ran, I believe it was 22 plays, and they had 220 yards of offense, so 10 yards of play exactly, and they only had the ball 11 minutes and one second in that first half. So, yeah, just an atro another atrocious start from Joe Barry's defense that was bailed out by Watson and Ja, Nixon, and some other guys, and Dylan down the stretch, but he's getting fired. That's my long-winded way of saying he's getting fired. Don't worry. Joe Barry is not going to be the defensive coordinator for the team that season. If he is, I will shit a brick. I will eat a shoe if Joe Barry is the defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers next year. It is not happening. Um, 
That is definitely not, and the Packers winning out is definitely not happening either. So <laughs> there you go. That answers your question. It's Barry getting canned. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, Kyle. We move now to the emails. All right. Let's start with Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. God bless you, Kyle. Can't end up in Twitter jail like I did. We don't have Twitter. Kyle writes, can't follow the game anymore. This is at about 2.56 p.m. Lambeau time Sunday. He wrote in, can't follow the game anymore. With my schedule changing, I have to work Sundays now. And not just AM shift, but now I'm fireman on the train? And by law, I cannot use a phone. It looks like we're going to win, but man, I'm going to be nervous all the way home. And again, I'm sure everyone's covered what I'd say, so I'll say this. My favorite Packer book of all time is that first season. It may be because of the way it was written. I've read it three times, and I could read it again. Anyone else got favorite Packer books? What recommendations do you have? Go Pack Go. You're a fireman on the train? And you, like, fix trains and shit, right? Like, you're like a badass. You're probably the most badass listener I have of, of this podcast. That's badass, dude. Cheers to you for that, man. Um... Yeah, you're right. We've covered a lot of what happened Sunday. I would agree with that. Okay, can we talk, you know, one thing we haven't covered? Dean, they blocked a field goal, folks. The Green Bay Packers blocked a field goal in this game. That cannot be forgotten. I am not going to let that be forgotten. They they blocked a kick. Santos comes in with the, what was it? It was what, 1917 Bears? Coming in to make it a five-point game. Coming in for the four-yard. And it was blocked. And it was blocked by Dean Lowry. This has been the most batshit crazy, weird season. When Dean Lowry is blocking field goals, you know shit is weird. It is weird, folks. I just so we've covered a lot of what's happened. Uh, we've covered a lot of a lot of what happened in the game. There we go. But we, I hadn't touched on that yet, and I'll be damned if I was going to let that slip. I was going to let that slide. I was not going to let that slide. <laughs> they blocked a the field goal, folks. Um. Favorite Packer book is that first season. I'll have to check that out. I'm not too familiar with that book. Uh, I don't... Favorite Packer book. There's a great one. If you'll, if you'll allow me one second here. I mentioned this on Twitter this week. There is one that I really love. Hold on. Let me scroll back here. It's from a while ago. Hold on. It was on... Uh, what day was this? Jeez Louise. Okay, the one that comes to mind for me is, it's called The 25 Greatest Moments in Lambeau History. It was written by uh, C- Cliff Crystal, who we all know, right? Legendary team historian, writer. He wrote that four-volume Packer book that came out around the holiday, that four-volume Packer series of books that came out around last Christmas, I think. Which I have, I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't cracked into them yet, but I'm going to. Anyways, it's written by Cliff Crystal and Dale Hoffman. The forewords are written by Bob Harlan and Larry McCarran. It's the 25 Greatest Moments in Lambeau History. covers all these cool moments going way back and up to present day. It's a few years old now, at least. It's probably four or five years old now, if not longer. So it might be a little bit difficult to find, but if you can find it, it is an awesome book. Of course, it's Cliff Crystal, right? It's going to be awesome. It's an awesome book. So that would be my, that would be my recommendation, yeah. For anybody listening, if you haven't checked that out. We move on now to PB Ziggy, who writes, Hi, Lamps. Titles his email, Tale of Two Halves. 
Ziggy writes, Hi, Lamps. I was so angry during the first half and through halftime. Again, don't know why my emotion... Again, don't know why my emotion on a lost season. But then there was that spark in the second half and new life. My head wants to root for a miracle playoff berth, but my heart can't take another eventual loss, especially with this sucky defense. Here's my thoughts. I'm frustrated at Jay Alexander. Yes, he had the clinching INT, but getting burned so often is not what the highest paid cornerback should be doing, time and time again. He's getting paid too much to just be mediocre and square up and tackle someone. This isn't flag football. We have never been able to contain a mobile quarterback ever. Almost cost us this game, but fortunately the run D played much better in the second half. Can we find a D coordinator who makes that a point to not allow QBs to run free? I know Rodgers and Cobb are buddies, but zero chemistry on the field? You would think they would be completing their own sentences on the field, of course. Not even close to being on the same page. Innis Gaines, what an idiot. Didn't we cut the ex-Raider veteran after one week on the roster to give him a chance? And everyone, including my sister, knows to give the punt returner five yards. Joe Barry celebrating the blocked field goal made me laugh because he was probably thinking, I have at least a job after the bye week. That guy is a joke and or no one wants to play hard for him. So hard to root for this team, but I think Goot picked well in Watson. Dobbs too early to tell. Happy bye week and run the table? Oh dear, why am I wishing for that? Regards, PB Ziggy. All right, PB Ziggy, lot to unpack there. Always appreciate that. Hang on one second. Second week in a row, my chair's being a pain in the ass. Ugh. I'm going to start a Kickstarter for a new chair for my basement packer room. You know that? Like, I don't even need money for the show. I just want money for the chair. <laughs> so you get a new chair. I sit on this stool, and it is not comfortable at all. Anyways, um, okay. So, let's go through everything here. Yeah, it definitely was a tale of two halves. Uh, I get the frustration with Alexander. You know, I said on Twitter during the game before his pick, he's simply not playing consistently enough this season for a guy making $21 million a year on average. No, the consistency hasn't been there. The highs have been there, but the lows have been there too. Again, today was kind of an imperfect, a perfect encapsulation of his season thus far. So I understand the frustration with Jair Alexander. I think some people go overboard. Not saying you, Ziggy, but some people have gone overboard. He's trash. Oh, he's had a garbage season. No, he hasn't. He's had a lot of good moments. You know, he's had a lot of bad ones too, but it's not like he's garbage all of a sudden. He's still a top 10 corner in the league. And if he gets with the right defensive coordinator next season, you know, he'll be, I think he can easily be back to being a top five corner for sure. Um, yeah, his tackling is lacking. But then, like I mentioned at times I mentioned earlier, he did a great job showing he was very aggressive blowing up that screen. You know, that wide receiver screen. I think some of the tackling issues he's had, I think he's probably still a little tentative after shredding his shoulder last year. Tackling, who was it, Harris from Pittsburgh? Um, he's probably made some business decisions this year on the tackling front, you know. Hopefully that lessens as he gets further away from the shoulder injury. So, yeah. Um, we have always struggled with, with mobile quarterbacks, haven't we? Like, one of my first memories watching the Packers was that game at the Vet in Philly. What year was that? Was that 90? Or 91? Randall Cunningham with the diving touchdown into the end zone over the... I don't remember who it was for the Packers, but that's one of my first memories watching the Packers. Or one of the ones I remember, anyway. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, from Cunningham to Vic to Kaepernick, you know, to Hurts and Field, they have always struggled with rushing quarterbacks. I agree. I don't know why. It's been it's a weird thing for them though. Um. Yeah, Run D was much better in the second half. Uh, yeah, hopefully they find a D coordinator who just finds a point, who makes it a point for them to be better overall. And if that happens, then hopefully they'll be better against mobile quarterbacks, too. Um, do they have zero chemistry? They had that... I don't know if they have zero chemistry on the field. I don't know if I'd agree with you there. They had that one miscommunication there, which was just a shitty throw from Rodgers. Which I think you're just going to have to deal with. We're going to have to deal with as long as he keeps playing with the thumb. He's going to have some throws that are just like, whoa. You know? Because that... Playing with the thumb injury like that, it's almost like a sawed-off shotgun or something. <laughs> you don't really know where it's going to go some of the time, you know? Um, I think they have some chemistry. I don't know if I'd agree with you on that, Ziggy, but I do know there, there was the one miscommunication today. Yeah, Ennis Gaines, that was bad. Um, you have to give, yeah, that, that punt return, fair catch interference was, was dumb. Can't do it. Can't do it. Happened tonight in the Dallas game, too, the Dallas-Indianapolis game. I don't know if anybody saw that, but you got to give the returner five yards. You know, I know these guys are, are, are you know, flying like demons down the field, but you got to give them the five yards. you got to slow up. It's your job. So I agree. Maybe short. And it's time on the roster. Maybe short. Let's say that. Um, yeah, I thought that was weird that Barry was celebrating the blocked field goal. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, Joe, those aren't your guys. And it was weird the camera kept showing him. I'm like, why is he so excited about this? I mean, I know Dean Lowry's one of his guys technically, but I thought that was strange too. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, why are you taking credit for this, Joe? Um... Yeah, he did pick well in Watson. Dobbs, I think, has shown some flashes, too. That I, I really think that's going to be a pretty damn good one-two punch. But that doesn't mean Gutekunst should stop. You know, they still need another guy at receiver. I like Toure. Said that on the show. I like I like Toure's, uh, how he's coming along. But you need another, they need, an, they need to use another high pick, either a first or second rounder, on a wide receiver. And I don't know if he'll be there now for them, because they won today. But this kid, Quentin Johnson from TCU, Johnson, Johnston from TCU, he looks like he'd be perfect playing opposite Watson and Dobbs. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of, he's kind of my early draft crush right now. Um, Why are you wishing, why are you wishing for Run the Table? Because you're a fan. That's what we do. You know, like I said earlier, like, you know, you touched on it too earlier in your email, like, Oop, burp, big burp, got to keep it real, extra real. Um, You touched on it earlier in your email too, Ziggy, like, our heads may tell us, like, it's best for them to lose, you know? But can any of us really find it, can you really find it in your heart of hearts to root for the Packers to lose? I don't, I would challenge anybody on that, I don't think you can. You're watching, you're investing your time, we want them to win. So you're not wrong for for wanting them to run the table. They're not going to. But you're not wrong for wanting that. We're fans. We want wins. You know? You know what I mean? Tanking and all this other shit. Trust the process. It's it's kind of antithetical to being a fan. It flies in the face of that. And I just I don't think most people can find it in their hearts to, to get on to get down with stuff like that. We may say it on Twitter. It's best for them to lose. I said it too. But did I really believe that? No, I wanted them to win. I'm a fan. So, yeah. Thank you for that, Ziggy. All right, we have one more email. 
Now, okay, other Kyle, I have not, I, I did not hear from you this week, and I'm worried. Kyle, who had Twitter, got rid of it, got it. Got, I'm, I'm worried about you. Are you. I hope you're okay. Write in and let me know you're okay. I would appreciate that, Kyle. <laughs> All right. Our final email comes from uh, Brad, who titles his email, Now What? Brad writes, so where do we go from here? The chances of us making the playoffs are slim to none. Packers have to make a decision on the fifth-year option for Love, and I don't feel we're any closer to knowing if he is the future. Knowing is, knowing is he the future. I'm hoping Matt LaFleur and Goot have a sit-down with Rodgers and say, we have to know what this kid can or can't do. But I feel the organization doesn't have the guts to shut down number 12. Okay, Brad, thank you for writing in. Um, You're right. Chances of them making the playoffs are slim to none. I would say none. <laughs> you know, even if they run the table, they're 9-8. and eight. Washington has a tiebreaker on them. The Giants have a tiebreaker on them. I just, I don't see it happening. I just, I don't see any world where they make the playoffs. You know, I also don't see any world where they beat Miami on the road on Christmas and Minnesota at home on New Year's Day. No, I don't see that happening. So, I would say none, not even slim. Uh, you're right, they have to make a decision on love, the fifth-year option this offseason. And, you know, we're not any closer. We're not, as fans. They may be closer as an organization because they see him in practice every day. And they see how he is in the locker room and, you know, whether or not he has those intangible characteristics that all the great quarterbacks have or, or tend to have. We don't know those things. They know, though. So they may be getting closer, at least in that area. But as far as how he's performed in regular season games, no. Neither we nor the team know any more than we have. No, I would agree with you there. Um... Here's the thing. I, I I understand what you're saying. You don't think they have the guts. I know I don't think they have the guts right now. But I think, I still think Love will play. He'll just play the last two games of the season. It's not going to be the final four games or even three games like a lot of people are hoping. He's going to play. It's just going to be the last two. Because again, I think they will be mathematically eliminated by the Dolphins on Christmas Day. And at that point, it'll be two weeks. And I think Rodgers, even though, you know, we kind of know him to be petty, and and he certainly has been fighting them on this issue all the, you know, he's been fighting them on this issue the whole way about, you know, shutting it down for the year. I do think he will take the high road and almost make the decision for them, in a sense, you know. Or they'll, you know, they'll come to him and he'll just say, okay, let's just do it. Like, I don't know how much of their, I don't know how much of a discussion there will even be. I think Rodgers will just make it easy on the organization and say, let's just, I'll just sit, I'll sit the last two. At least that's my hope. Maybe I'm being far too optimistic. But my hope is he'll make it easy on them and say, let's just play the kid the last two weeks. That's good. But I might be wrong. <laughs> okay, so those are all the emails. Thank you for those. We move now to Facebook Messenger. Got a couple. Let's start with my buddy Daniel in... Hold on a second here. Oh. Yep, my buddy Daniel in Vancouver, who writes in... He sent a, an Instagram post. It's Rogers saluting the crowd as he was leaving Soldier Field. He writes, Oh my God, is this a goodbye? Is this a... I move to the AFC? <laughs> um... 
It might be. Yeah, it might be. Like I said earlier, you know, he's kind of turning into Favre with this stuff, though, where he's like, well, you never know. This is your last time playing in a place. It's like, but again, like some of the beat people pointed out, he said this last year, too, <laughs> after the game at Soldier Field. So who knows? Um, it had a different tone this year. Last year, obviously, it was more, you know, confrontational with the I still own you stuff. So who knows? Maybe. I think Rodgers knows that the future is up in the air. Right? I think we all know that. It's funny because it wasn't that long ago he was in camp going, I'm going to retire as a Packer. He was telling the Barstool guys, I think it was, I'm playing two more years or three more years, whatever it is. But this season has changed a lot for, you know, both him and the organization, I think, maybe. So I think it's I think it's Rodgers at least saying, maybe, this might be it. Who knows? So, yeah, it's definitely possible that he goes to the AFC, though, you know. So thank you for that, Daniel. Our final Facebook uh, question comment comes from Rob over in London, jolly old London. Rob writes, I was so convinced Barry may have been sacked today, but the two turnovers will justify his play calling. Well in his mind. And that celebration on the blocked field goal, is he that bad of a defensive coach he wants credit for a special teams play? Oh, boy. Second second person to point that out. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird. He was like, he was like jumping up and down and the cameras were showing him. I'm like... Does Fox knows he's not the special teams coach, right? Rich, Rich it's Rich. Rich Passage is. Why are they not? Why are they showing Joe Barry? That whole sequence was very strange. Again, they blocked a field goal in this game, so of course everything is that, that strange. Um. Yeah. I, again, I, I know a lot of people were thinking probably after the first half, oh Barry's going to be fired. I saw people saying, oh, he's going to be people tweeting at me. He's going to be fired after today. I, I don't think. Regardless of what happens the rest of the way, he's going to be the defensive coordinator the rest of the year. Yeah. I just don't see any benefit in firing him now. You know? What would it do? Other than send a message of accountability, which wouldn't be the worst thing, but I just I don't think LaFleur's that guy to do that. He's going to hang on to Barry till the end of the season and then, and then give him the axe. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Will the two turnovers justify his play calling? I don't know. To me, again, it just showed more that these guys have it in them. They're just more playing for themselves at this point. You know? John made that pick because John wanted to make that pick. Not for Joe Barry, but for himself. And the same thing with Nixon. You know what I mean? These guys are playing hard at times, but it feels like it's more for themselves than for him or, you know, the group, the collective. Um, so, yeah. I would say, That's what I would say on that. Thank you for that, Rob. Okay, so that's, okay, I got Facebook, Twitter, email, that's it. We come to the final question, comment of the night. My other former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host, one of my other bestest friends in the world, Gene Bossling. Gene, I always give you the hammer. No different this time. Started with Adam, ending it with Gene. Old Bag of Donuts, first, full circle, baby. And this is epic, by the way. Gene writes, Yes, this win hurt the Packers' draft status and quite possibly delayed the Jordan Love debut for several weeks, since there's no way they're eliminated before they return from the bye and they could continue the charade by beating the Rams. 
but I will put all that aside for one reason. Number 787. It's a consolation prize this season, and the Packers should have passed the Bears in October, not December. But if we think about this in the context of 100 years of football, and particularly the last 30, it's especially delicious, because it has to be so embarrassing for them. In 1940, the Bears already had a 24-game lead in the all-time win standings. The Packers were so bad through the late 40s, and especially the 1950s, that not even the Lombardi era could fix it. The Bears' lead by the end of 1967 was 49 games. By the time the Bears win their first and only Super Bowl in 1985, the lead is 53. And by the time Favre makes his first start in 1992, it is 85 games. For most of NFL history, it's been Chicago number one, Green Bay number two. But by the end of the 1991 season, the Packers have fallen so far that the number three team, the New York Giants, have caught them. Sunday was the Packers' 311th win since the beginning of the 1992 season. Favre's first as the starter. Only the Patriots, with 321, have more. The Bears have won 225 games in that time, the same number as the Buccaneers, and 15 fewer than the Ravens, whose records didn't begin until 1996. If the Packers win two more games this season, they'll have as many victories since 1992 as they did in the 50 years prior to Favre, and they won six championships in that time. Speaking of championships, this doesn't even get into the playoff record. The Packers have won 23 playoff games in the past 30 years. That's also the second highest total in the league in that time. The rest of the NFC North has 12. The Bears, they're 4-8 and eight in the playoffs in that time. Think about this. If you're a Bears fan, you've watched your team win 85 fewer games and 19 fewer playoff games than the small town team you love to look down on. You've watched two Hall of Fame quarterbacks absolutely destroy you for 30 years. The one time your team faced the Packers in the playoffs, they beat you in the NFC title game at Soldier Field. The team with, quote, a bunch of fans who think they're owners, end quote, has upgraded its stadium to be one of the NFL's best venues. Once your team tries to break, once your team tries to break ground on a new stadium in Arlington Park and builds the dome that will probably make Papa Bear George cry, Lambeau Field will be the last venue for real football in the NFL's coldest division. So to wrap all this up, if this was the last time we see Rodgers play the Bears, it's a good time to think about what a gift he and Favre have given us. It's the first time in NFL history the all-time wins and championship standings look the same. Packers 1, Bears 2. Are 23 playoff wins and two Super Bowls enough? No. Does this era feel too light in terms of Super Bowls? You know I completely agree with you on this. But the utter, the utter and complete dominance of the Bears during the Favre-Rogers era has done nothing less than take a sledgehammer to the historic standing of the Packers' true rival. While the Bears still suck, that does not. Gene, you're right. This was your magnum opus. I, I can't... I, I, like, I mean, it's perfect. It's like that scene in Old School when Will Ferrell has to debate, is it James, what is his name? 
the Raging Cajun. The James, I can't think of his name. I'm drawing a blank on his name now. Hold on. What is his name? You know, the the, the political guy. Oh, my God. Hold on. James Carville. And they ask him that really complicated question, and Will Ferrell takes the really deep breath and just, like, rips off this brilliant answer. James Carville goes, we have no response. That was perfect. <laughs> That's pretty much how I feel. I don't, like, what could I even add to that? You know, some of that I touched on earlier, a lot of that I did touch on earlier in the show. But you're right, like, to think about how lopsided that rivalry was at the start of the Favre era, and to think about how, where it is now, like, it's it's been incredible. It's been inc- I think that's why the dominance of the Favre Rogers era over the Bears is why I don't really consider them a true rival. You know, I know people who you know came of age in the seventies and eighties probably would argue with me on that. But for my generation, it's like, and people younger than me, it's like, are they really our rivals? <laughs> you know, again, we look at teams like San Francisco and Dallas and Minnesota, Seattle for a time, Tampa for a time. The Bears have just never been there. So I what, I don't even know what to add to that. Again, Gino, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's, you know, chef's kiss. It's perfect. All right. So those are all the questions and comments. Let's go ahead and close all the various bags for the week. Thanks to everyone who sent something in. It is, of course, always appreciated. Big picture time now. One hour and nine minutes in almost exactly. Sunday's win was nice, yes, but watching the Packers furiously storm back in the fourth quarter to put their longest-held rivals on ice yet again, one couldn't help but feel a touch, or maybe more than just a touch, of sadness. Watching the team click on all cylinders for the final 15 minutes, seeing good defense translate to good offense and vice versa, you had to wonder, where was this team all season? These clearly inspired on both sides of the ball, Green Bay Packers. Where had they been? Sure, the Bears are one of the NFL's worst clubs, a team relying heavily on reserves at this point. But Green Bay's effort level on the fourth Sunday left you wondering where this team could be had they shown such heart earlier in the season, against the likes of the New York Giants or Washington Commanders or Detroit Lions. If the Packers hadn't airmailed in long stretches of those contests, Would we be discussing their playoff prospects as a realistic possibility? We'll never know. What we do know, however unfortunately, is that they did. And because of those lacking efforts, Sunday's exciting comeback was but a fleeting ray of sunshine in an otherwise dark season. Okay, so that just about wraps up this episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I hope you had as much fun listening as I did recording it. Always a blast, but especially when they win, right? We've obviously experienced more losses than wins this season, so you do appreciate the wins a little bit more, I think. You find a little bit more fun in them. Try to make those episodes even more fun, right? We look ahead to next week now. The Packers are off. Off? Yup, it's the bye week. It's finally arrived. Jesus, December 4th, the bye week's here now. Uh, The team finally gets a little breather, some time to rest up, heal up before the final four games of the season. The stretch drive, I guess you could call it. I don't know if they're driving towards. Uh, As of now, the plan is for me to take a break along with them and not do a show next week either. 
Although, I am sort of toying with an Anything Goes Packers pod next week, too. Meaning, you know, you could write in and ask me anything about the team, either this year's team or just the Packers in general, and I'd answer it. Uh, I'm not totally sure yet. I'll be honest, I'm leaning towards just taking the week off. In which case, I'll be back after the LA Rams game at Lambeau on Monday the 19th. Meaning, you'll hear from me Tuesday morning the 20th. We'll see. But if I do decide to do the Anything Goes Packers pod, I'll put the word out on Twitter, on Facebook, all those wonderful places later this week. So keep your eyes open for that. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you, I love you, I love you. Please stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go, pack, go. The bear still sucks.